Hi there and welcome to How to Choose, the show that helps you make better decisions and improve your judgment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ken. And I'm Tessa. In this, our first season of How to Choose, we're covering some of the common obstacles that impede good decision making and how to overcome them. Yeah, that's right. The premise of our show is that strong decision making is critical if we want to live a fulfilled and purposeful life. Not only that, it can be really difficult at times. Yes. In How to Choose, we'll be talking a lot about how thinking well is a key to good decision making. Unless we think carefully, we can make incorrect assumptions, we can give undue weight to irrelevant information, and we can then draw illogical conclusions. So we really need to think well. But sometimes we can overthink things and we can become stuck at the decision point. In today's episode, we'll be looking at that problem of indecision, specifically how over-analysis can derail good decision-making. We're both analysts, so we understand that analysis has a place, but there definitely has to be a point where you move past the thinking and reach a conclusion. Agreed. We'll look at some of the research that's been done into the concept of intuitive decision-making or naturalistic decision-making, and consider what role intuition might play in helping us to bite the bullet and pull the trigger, hopefully not at the same time, and make accurate, timely decisions. Looking forward to it. So Tess, maybe uh, we can start with a little trip down memory lane. On a winter's day in 2010, Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd was replaced as leader of the Labor Party, and by implication replaced as PM, by Julia Gillard. There were a number of reasons why Rudd's own party no longer felt that he was fit to lead the country, but a common concern was that he couldn't or wouldn't make decisions. I can imagine a Prime Minister has just a couple of decisions to make each day, hey? Yeah, just a couple. Um, Interestingly, it wasn't because of a lack of intelligence. According to journalist Paul Kelly, Rudd had an impressive IQ, rational mind, phenomenal work ethic and the ability to absorb data and grip of detail. So what was the issue then that impacted his decision-making? Well, it seems there were a few elements that combined together to make him indecisive. He centralised decision-making responsibility instead of delegating. He didn't like being challenged. That's always a bad start. He built a culture of blame that suppressed frank and fearless advice. He focused on the political outcomes of the decision rather than the policy outcomes, which is really saying that he worried too much about how the decisions might impact him politically. And the combined result of these various issues was that he became stuck and he regularly couldn't make decisions. And according to Julia Gillard, Rudd's reaction to not being able to decide was to ask for more and more briefs and more and more paperwork That would never get read. Then he felt the pressure more and more. There was more paper and more chaos. It would get worse and not better. That just sounds so frustrating and for everyone involved. It must have been frustrating and also exhausting. Uh, And it's fascinating to read that ministers and officials would grab the opportunity when Rudd was overseas to get things done. They came to learn that when Rudd was gone and Gillard was acting Prime Minister, that she would make decisions. Rudd was experiencing a phenomenon that is often called analysis paralysis. So we know that for some people, getting past the thinking and making a decision is very difficult. What's the most common reason? I think a basic reason is a fear of getting it wrong. Mm. 
I mean, there's no doubt that the consequences of some of our decisions are big. We don't want to mess up when it comes to choosing a life partner, selecting a career or making a big financial decision. But not all of the decisions we have to make need to tie us up in knots. Although knowing and doing are very different, um, (laughs) I've recently been trying to make a career decision and I've definitely been experiencing a bit of this analysis paralysis. Yeah, look, and I think we're all familiar with it. And the fact is we have to make a lot of decisions every day. And as you've said, um, they're not all extremely important. Sometimes we just need to trust our gut rather than overanalyzing every detail. But is our gut trustworthy? Well, that's a really interesting question. Gary Klein is an academic who has specialised in researching the role of intuition in decision-making. Klein has researched how professionals who have to make high-stakes decisions under extreme time pressures, such as firefighters and emergency care nurses, go about making their decisions. You won't be shocked to hear, Tess, that in high-stress situations, those experts are not conducting a structured brainstorming session And they're not postponing the decision until they've spoken with their mentors. Look, they definitely don't sound like public servants. I think think we'll still be doing structured brainstorms even when we've got a very tight deadline, won't we, Ken? Oh, yeah, look, (laughs) that's right. We love a good brainstorm. Um, But imagine this. A house is on fire. A patient has gone into cardiac arrest after receiving medication. You need to act immediately. When clients spoke with these experts, they were often unable to explain how they made their decisions. So was it intuition? Well, the question to ask is, what is intuition? Some of the people Klein interviewed thought that they had some kind of supernatural sixth sense or ESP. Have you ever met anyone who believes they've got ESP, Tess? Disappointingly, no. I mean, I've got a friend Mm. who's had a ghost experience, but that's probably not quite enough. Oh, well, look, yeah, I can't think how we can work that story into this episode, (laughs) but let's shelve that one for a future season. It sounds very interesting. Um, But let's come back to Gary Klein. Well, what he actually discovered was that these experts were subconsciously noticing subtle cues that non-experts missed. One of his examples is of a uh, a fire chief who came into a house where there had been report of a fire, and suddenly he knew that he should get his team out immediately. Moments after the team evacuated, the floor that they were standing on collapsed. Now, he wasn't sure why he knew that they should get out, and later on he told Klein that he thought it was ESP, but in fact he had picked up on very subtle cues. So coming back to your question, yes, experts do rely on intuition. If you define intuition the way that Gary Klein does, and Klein's definition is that intuition is the way that we translate our experience into action. Now, Klein's developed a model that he's called recognition-primed decision-making, and that refers to our brain's ability to recognize what might be a very complex pattern of characteristics, to match that to another pattern in our memory, and then boom, you intuitively know what to do. This could be patterns, it could be anomalies, something that's out of place, It could be an understanding that we have of how things should work, uh, a knowledge of what's happened in the past, or even tiny, subtle differences that other people can't see. Now, although Gary Klein might not be very well known, uh, these discoveries have been described by the very popular storyteller Malcolm Gladwell in his best-selling book, Blink. Yeah, and that's a very good and easy read, so I would advocate for that one too. Um, So all very interesting, Ken, but 
isn't there a danger that people's intuition can actually lead them astray, that they're relying on intuition when they actually don't have any expertise? Yeah, look, I would absolutely agree. I think you're probably aware, well aware of the paradigm of system one and system two thinking. I am, but I always forget which is which. Right. Well, system one describes the quick impulsive thinking that enables us to respond almost without thinking. System two is slower, more cautious, and generally more accurate. Now, they're not real systems, but it's just a way to describe different ways that we think and decide. We often engage system one, uh, but it can lead, lead us astray quite easily. So here's a question. If you're running a race and you pass the person in second place, what place are you in? First place. Well, that is the obvious answer that jumps to our mind. But in fact, you are not in first place. You're in second place. I should have thought about it for a bit longer. I should have known this is a trick question, Ken. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so unhelpfully, our system one gives us a really fast answer to that question and many others. But of course, if you pass the person in second place, then you are now the person in second place. The point of all of this is just that intuition is not always helpful. Um, and particularly, as soon as we start thinking that there's something supernatural to our intuition, I'd say we're probably on shaky ground. But when we do have expertise, we will recognize signs and indicators that we need to pay attention to, even if the people around us can't see them. Mm. So how does this information help us make better decisions? Yeah, well, that's the key question, isn't it? I'd say there's a few things that we can take away and, and apply. Number one, value your experience. Sometimes we look, we consider, and we just know what to do. And in situations where we don't have time to go away and analyze, research, reflect, consult, discuss, then we might do better to trust our intuition and just make a call. Look, I find this when it comes to speeches. Um, often, you know, you might be told, given a topic and it's something you actually do have expertise and background in and you're nervous, but as soon as you get up there and start talking, it just comes and, and you're not even aware really of thinking about it, but you, you know, your competence actually shows through really clearly. Yeah, that's right. So if you have expertise, then trust that expertise when it comes to making decisions. The second point is closely related to that. Don't let your self-confidence be undermined by confident people who actually know less than you do. I've definitely met a few of those people in the workplace, Ken. Um, and I guess the thing here is you don't confuse confidence with competence. Mm. And I guess by extension, pay careful attention to those around you who do have more expertise than you. Yes. And if we come back to the story of former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd, it seemed that he had a lot of trouble trusting the experts around him. If you are in a leadership role, then you need to trust the expertise and the intuition of the smart and capable people who are working for you. That doesn't mean that you don't ask questions or get them to explain and justify their ideas and opinions, but it might mean that sometimes you also have to trust their insights and their intuition. One way or another, you have to push through the analysis paralysis and make decisions. Mm. Now, the third thing is when you make decisions in areas where you lack expertise, it makes sense to apply a strong and careful process if time permits. Defining your goals, considering your options, gathering data, comparing and contrasting the options, consulting other people. Um, a good solid decision-making process can be hugely beneficial. However, and this is the third point, if you are building expertise now, if you're studying, training, expanding your skills, 
And if in the future you're going to be in a situation where you will be pressured to make high-stakes decisions in stressful situations, then understand that your decision-making will need to adapt. If you're a medical student, your approach to diagnosing illnesses might be fairly structured and formulaic, but I would suggest after 20 years of experience as a doctor, you'll be able to spot some conditions very quickly. Don't be alarmed. Don't be paralyzed by processes and frameworks of decision-making that are designed to help you make decisions outside of your area of expertise. When you have expertise, you won't necessarily quite know why you know, but you will start to subconsciously recognize subtle cues that will inform your decision-making. Thanks, Ken. I think that's really great advice, that sort of trust in your own ability there. Mm. Well, thanks for joining us in today's episode. We've heard about how people can get stuck at the thinking point in the decision-making process, and we've learned that intuition can be our friend when we're relying on expertise or the expertise of others around us. That's right. The message is don't overanalyze everything. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to How to Choose and visit us at goodbetterright.com.au. And please tell your friends about us too. We'd love to meet them. Sharing what we've uh, learned is an awesome way to reinforce those lessons. And be sure to tune in again next episode when we'll be learning about how overconfidence can also be an issue in decision making.